0: Hello and welcome back to my channel, Breadcrumbs, and this is Ashley, aka Ash Kitten, and I'm here to help you on your journey to self-love. So um, I'm not feeling too great, so this actually um, comes at a time where you're going to hear my voice a little bit different because it's going to be a very emotional episode, Um, but it's what we need in order to move past a certain part of ourselves. So bad things happen to everyone, to good people, to bad people, to everybody. Bad things happen. Sometimes things are so bad that we like to block them out, never talk about them, act like they didn't happen. The fact of the matter is that they changed a part of us. Whatever it did to change us, made us stronger or um, made us trustless, it still changed us. If it didn't change us, then it wouldn't be an important or significant event for us to not want to talk about. So here's the thing. Not talking about it and not getting out how you feel about it and just blocking it out actually is like... Leaving out a part of yourself. Like I love myself except for this part of myself. But that's not fair. That's exactly what we do in other relationships. Where we're like I love this person. But I don't love them when they're like this. Or I don't love this about them. That's not love. In order for us to love ourselves. We have to accept the things about ourselves. That we don't want to admit to or um, talk about and accepting it doesn't mean that you're okay with the bad things that happened to you it's not saying well I'm glad it happened or everything happens for a reason because while I do believe that good things come out of bad things and that um, there is a um, destiny for everyone and there's a strong uh, pull to Toward your destiny, I don't believe that bad things happening are designed by God. I, I don't. I believe that God said this is the, the consequence of having free will. You either have free will and are able to choose between good and evil, and some people choose evil, or I make you all choose good, but it's against your will. So there are people who who begrudgingly would be worshiping God and not really wanting to, but they would have to because it's, it was, you know, law. So God said, I'm giving you free will. I'm giving you the choice to choose me or not me. And the sad thing is there those who choose evil and to do evil things and the consequence of that. You know, is that bad things happen to people, to good people, to bad people, to all kinds of people. And sometimes those bad things that happen to people cause people to change and harden and become bad themselves. And sometimes those bad things happen to good people and they stay good, but they still harden. They still have part of themselves that they don't want exposed. Well, I'm here to change the game. Sorry, there's like really loud car going by. Oh, that's how, that's annoying. It's so loud. I can't even believe it's still going. I should have paused it. I'm sorry. I apologize for that distraction. But I'm here to change the game. I'm here to flip things, flip the script, turn it around. Because I honestly believe that if every single person was open and honest and out about their troubles, and about the things that have happened to them. That bad things would happen less. What I mean by this is we would have more of an awareness. We would also have more of a support with within each other to come out and stand up for ourselves. And evil exists in this world, and it's always going to exist until the um, time when God, um, just you know, harvests the good souls and burns the wheat. That's you know pretty much how how it's gonna happen. And or no, bur- I'm sorry, burns the the weeds and harvests the wheat. Where the wheat? Sorry, I'm not feeling well, so I'm a little brain foggy. But um, but that's how it's gonna happen. And until then, until. Once we choose good, then God already knows that we can be programmed for good, like I mean, I believe we're gonna have the same soul, but without the option for evil. Right now, we have the choice between good and evil, and we choose if we choose good, then He knows since we choose good, we're still going to continue choosing good, and I think in heaven there's no option for evil, so that changes the game, but I'm getting off on a whole nother tangent anyway, so back to um talking about it when you talk about an experience that you've had that is a good or bad but changes you it's something that has an effect on you it's called a testimony now there is a verse in the bible that says that we can defeat the enemy by the power of prayer and the power of our testimony that always gets overlooked because people think like, oh, if I talk about it, people know what happened to me. I feel guilty, blame. The thing is that whatever happened to us. And I'm actually going to openly talk about some of the things that happened to me. I'm going to give you some trigger warnings and stuff. Just in case you want to skip past it, whatever. But um, first, I'm going to say that whatever happened to you whatever you like to block out or not talk about, um, that is something you still wear. You just wear it inside out. You wear the guilt and you wear the shame of it happening, even if it wasn't your fault. And even if you you were a child or, or something happened to you that was beyond your control, you still wear the shame and the guilt. If not, then you would be able to talk about it. You would be able to help other people going through it. But you wear the shame and the guilt. So you're you're showing everyone the shame and the guilt by not talking about it. You're you're exposing the emotions that it's caused because it has changed you in some way. Like maybe this thing that happened to you made you trust people less. But you're you're exposing that. Because if you weren't wearing it, then it would have not changed you at all. And then if it wouldn't have changed you at all, it wouldn't be a significant event enough not to talk about so or to exclude, like completely just block out of yourself. The thing is, it's a part of yourself. Every experience that we have, everything that we do, every decision that we make and every decision that we don't make that still affects us is a part of who we are. It doesn't, nothing can change that. If you were abused as a child, you still have that part of yourself as in you. If we block out a part of ourselves, when you're telling ourselves we don't love ourselves. We just love a part of ourselves. We love everything but that because that's something that we had no control over. So we don't love that part because that part is not something that we like. And it, it, we didn't have control over it. We didn't choose that for ourselves, obviously. So we're just going to leave that part out. The problem is that that is still a part of ourselves. And that part going unloved is is devastating. Because it's it's not loving our whole selves completely. And it this is the hardest part, guys. This is the hardest part of loving yourself. Is loving yourself... Through, the, the faults is what you can change. The things that are like, okay, well, I'm a procrastinator and I still love myself. But I can change that. I can work toward being a better person. One thing I can't change is the things that other people did to me and hurt me. And I can't change that. But I still love that part of myself. I love that part of myself that survived. I love that part of myself that Grew and got stronger. I love that part of myself. It's hard to talk about that part of yourself. Because it does bring back the pain. But if you can get through the pain. Then it becomes something that you can use to help others. Get through their pain. And I believe that. That when the bad things happen, that we have that gift of testimony to share with other people. And we hide it and we lock it in a closet, lock it deep down in our heart somewhere. But what if when you were going through what you were going through, someone came to you, or maybe they did. But what if they didn't and someone came to you and said, I know exactly how you feel. You don't even have to tell me. Because what you're going through, I went through. And I survived him right here. It would change everything. It would change everything. Because they would be a symbol of hope to you. And it would make it that much easier to trudge through the darkness. Knowing... That there is a light at the end. Knowing that you're not alone. That's what our testimony is. Yes, some things happen that are so horrid. So vile. And you feel so violated. By talking about it, you almost feel like a victim again. But you have to get past that. Because... You can change people's lives and the enemy relies on silence. The enemy relies on the fact that it's so bad that you don't want to talk about it. Because then it can keep happening everywhere. And I'm going to share, not first I'm going to share a story with you um, about why it's important to share your testimony openly. First of all, there's no shame There's no shame in telling people what happened to you. It's someone else that wronged you. It's someone else that did something to you. It's a choice that was made or it's something that happened. a Natural disaster. Whatever it is. Whatever you lost. You lost something. But you gained a testimony. You gained strength. You gained versatility. You gained something out of it. Why don't we wear those badges? Why don't we wear those experiences as badges of honor when someone goes to war and they get their legs blown off, which is incredibly sad. And maybe even something that you yourself have dealt with or are dealing with as a thing of shame. And that person is fighting for our country. Something bad happened to them and they're ashamed. It's not their fault. What shame is there to be? But the military has recognized those people as heroes. Why can't we look at each other and recognize each other as heroes? Ourselves as heroes. Put on that purple heart ribbon on yourself and say, I freaking survived. That thing that happened to me didn't take me down. And it won't keep me silent that's what the enemy relies on. So I'm going to tell you this story. It's a personal story of people that I knew of in a town that I knew and the people that I knew. I'm going to change the names, but there was a pedophile that lived on a street a predator that lived on a street with a few children. And at that time this person was not um on the list or anything. No one even knew. And there was a girl and a boy who were best friends on that street. And they lived across the street from each other. And every day they'd play together and talk to each other. And they were around each other all the time. Well, the predator was actually um, victimizing both children at the same time. And the children stopped talking to each other. They grew distant because they thought that they were singled out. They thought they were the only one going through this. And they didn't know how to talk about it. And um, for children, it's harder. For children, it's a lot harder to process these emotions and these feelings. When you become an adult, it's something that uh, you you should be able to, at some point, expose that part of yourself. Um, I even recommend it in children to do it, but it's just so, that much harder for them to understand that humans... Can be so evil. Um, So. Them separating themselves. And isolating themselves from each other. They didn't know. That they were going through it. Together. But they felt alone. They didn't know that the other. Was experiencing the same trauma. And the same horridness. And. Before that they were best friends. They told each other everything. Had they continued to talk about it with each other, they would have had the strength together to fight against this predator, had the strength to stand up and talk about it to their parents, had the strength to openly out this person who went on to be able to victimize other people for a long time. And then these two people found each other as adults and actually confided in one another as adults. And found out that they had the same experience with the same person. At that time, they were also going through um, the adult version of it feeling. I mean, the experience was no longer happening. But in their heart, they they had never gotten over it. So they had problems in relationships. They had all these problems that had followed them with that guilt and that shame. And... When they confided in each other immediately, they felt a healing take place because they're like, what? I wasn't alone. Why didn't we talk about this with each other back then? Opening up about those experiences, some people can, you know, make you feel ashamed over it and be like, oh, don't talk about that kind of thing. That's not, you shouldn't be, that's too personal. Don't talk about that. You know what? I disagree I strongly disagree and the reason is because when you're talking about it if you catch the ear of someone who you know it's like oh you shouldn't be talking about it whatever who cares what they think they didn't go through it obviously so they don't know But if you catch the ear of someone who's like hold on hold the phone I'm going through that right now I'm not alone. The more we band together through the things that have happened to us, the stronger we are against the opposition, against the enemy. Because had those two kids talked to each other back then, they would have gone to their parents. They would have been stronger with each other and they would have found that strength in each other to stop him. And... As adults, I think they did pursue, um, getting, because there's no statute of limitations on the things that he did. Um, so they pursued going after him as adult and, um, and that's the strength that they found in each other. And they only found that strength when they found each other and they found out that it had happened to each other. They had let that situation from childhood affect every aspect of their lives, their relationships. Everything that happened to them, they carried with them, yet they didn't speak out about it. They just let themselves wear it, like like the shame and the guilt. They carried that, and the healing took place when they finally talked about it. So, yes, it is it is one of those things It's private. You don't want to just be, like, in the middle of a, a supermarket, yell out, like, I was raped, or you know something like that, but getting into a a group of people who are survivors or even reaching out to people who are in a, the situation that you're in that you were in or um writing a blog about it, writing a book about it these are things that can heal you and reach other people that are going through it have gone through it, and that feel alone you'll find that there is a a saying, and I think, I'm not sure who said it. I don't even know if it's actually a saying, but I've gone by this saying for a long time, is there's no new kind of evil. Evil started at the beginning when, I guess when uh, Eve took, but actually when Lucifer rose up against God, that was his choice in saying, I do not want to follow you. I do not want to be good. I want people to follow me. And, and he wanted to live in sin, and the word sin doesn't mean bad thing. It means the absence of God. That is what my true definition that I've found what sin means. Anything that you do in sin is the absent in the absence of God. And I feel as though that the pleasures are of in sin, are because when God is absent, the enemy is present and he gives you a false, he has the power to give you a false sense of satisfaction, a physical one that doesn't extend to our spiritual selves because it can't. So he manipulates the physical emotions to feel good, but when you are with God, you feel good from your soul all the way to your physical being and so the enemy has a counterfeit satisfaction um but god can produce a real satisfaction that lasts and that doesn't have to be constantly reproduced um so there's no new kind of evil something that happened to you happened to someone else there's nothing that could have possibly happened to you that someone else didn't go through In some way, shape, or form. Maybe not the same person abused them. But someone did abuse them in the same way. And you would be surprised at how many people have gone through what you haven't. Actually, the more shameful you feel it is, the less people who come forward. But the more people that are affected by it. So... There are less people coming out about certain types of things. There are more people being affected by it because less people come out. If that makes any sense. I'm trying to to make sense. I have a really, really bad headache and a brain fog going on right now um, due to what I believe the chronic fatigue syndrome. And um, trying to fight through it is a really bad day for me because I'm not even able to... Get out of bed. So I'm literally just like laying here, um, doing my podcast. So, but, um, I definitely, um, I definitely wanted to do this because I feel like it's something that I kept trying to avoid. This is the part, the step that we're like, okay, I'm going to walk on this journey of self-love. Oh yeah, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And then you get to this part and you're like, Oh, hell! I don't know. This is like trudging through the darkness, the muddy darkness. We're like up to our neck in mud, walking through it, but in the silence in the darkness, and it's cold and it's wet and it's it's miserable. But we have to get to the other side. Like, otherwise we we can't continue on our journey, and there's so much more. This is the hardest part because this is the part that we like to skip, but you can't skip a step on a journey because it the shortcut take takes you to a different place. And we're not on the journey to self-love anymore. We're on the journey to, okay, oh, I accept everything except for this part of myself. And that's not self-love. That's going on a a fake journey. It's VR. That's what it is virtual reality it changes everything because it's not real you're not really loving yourself you're not really accepting yourself you have to accept the things that happen to you maybe you can do something to take the people who hurt you down maybe you can't maybe the thing that hurt you was some an illness or some you lost someone someone died and that's what changed you and you don't want to talk about it, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that, um, an evil thing had to have happened to you by a person, because it's any experience that changes us that we look on as a negative experience that we want to block out. There are parents who have lost their children and can't live day to day because of the loss of their children. However, they lost that self-love because they either blame themselves or they can't live with that grievance because they can't, haven't accepted that that's a, something that changed them. That's something that is now a part of them. They are now a parent who lost a child. That is who they a part of who they are and they don't want to accept that part of themselves. So they are on that that part where they are not going to love themselves they're not going to live keep living their lives normally or in any continue on and move on past it because they can't get past that part because it's the hard part guys this is the hard part now wow okay so i'm gonna share with you guys things that have happened to me i've had quite a many of evil people in my life really bad things happen to me um and i did i'm i'm gonna openly publicly talk about them on my podcast because there's a chance that somebody listening is gonna feel not so alone and because i'm gonna be able to move past it If you can't do it publicly, you don't have to. I'm not saying that. But you talking about it, getting it out, talking to people who have gone through it. um, And you'd be surprised. Some of these things that happened to me happened so many years ago. I was a child for some of these things. And we can say to ourselves, oh, I moved on, I moved past it. But if we can't talk about it, we didn't move past it. You know, so um, confide in the people that you you care about to, um, you know, talk about it. But I, I honestly think that it should be openly talked about, open conversation. There's no shame in it. I And I believe the reason why is because other people can hear it and be able to understand they're not alone let's just say that the thing that happened to you happened and then you were at a shopping mall the next day and you were sitting next to a group of people who were openly talking about exactly what you went through and they weren't wearing the shame or the guilt they were talking about it and In such a way that made you feel like, wow, I'm not alone. This this, has happened to somebody else. It's not my fault. these, These feelings that you're getting are because... Another person is able to openly talk about it. And evil counts on silence. So, I will talk about my situations. And... I, I think that um, the best way is to publicly talk about them. But if you don't feel comfortable with that and you're not at that part and you're healing yet, Or you don't think you'll ever be. That's fine. But talk about it. And really heal from it. And most importantly, be able to talk about it knowing that you accept that part of yourself. And that you love that part of yourself and that you don't blame that part of yourself, and you don't have any guilt, there's no, you should have no guilt, none, because what happened is not your fault, if someone died, it's not your fault, I don't care if, um, well, unless you murdered them, then it's your fault, but I mean, like, if you had a child die and you were they were supposed to be under your supervision, and you lost you know sight of where they were and and then they got run over by a vehicle or something i mean that's those are traumatic things that happen to people. Your child got kidnapped and and you can't find them um because you look down at your phone for one second, five seconds, five minutes. Uh, Because you got a Facebook notification and you were just responding back to it. And you looked up and your kid wasn't there. These are things that people blame themselves for. The evil one is who should be blamed. How do we blame a person? How do we blame ourselves for such small things? Such as looking down at a phone. And even other people will blame. Other people will be like, oh, you should have been supervising your child. or You shouldn't have let this happen. You should have, you should have, you should have. That person shouldn't have taken someone's child. That's the evil. We focus on what we could have done to prevent it. In a safe world, in a world without evil, we wouldn't have to. That's what heaven is. Heaven is a world without evil. And I can't wait till that is a reality. Till that is the world that we will live in. But stop carrying the guilt. Stop carrying the shame. Stop thinking that there's something that you could have done. Because you can't change anything. And you need to accept that part of yourself. That part of yourself that looked down at that phone. And then looked up and your child wasn't there. That part of yourself that had a gut feeling about something but didn't listen to your gut. And you went on anyway. That part of yourself, you need to accept that part of yourself. You need to love that part of yourself because that's the hardest part to love. It's the hardest part. And until you love that part of yourself, you can't love yourself wholly and completely. God loves us wholly and completely. He knows every part of ourselves. He knows everything bad we've ever done, every mistake we've ever made. And he loves us so much, so much, that he sent his son to die for us so that sin would not separate us from God. So that we could just ask to be forgiven and we are standing in right standing and righteousness right there in front of God. And and he looks at us no different than he does his own son who is perfect and blameless. That is love. Why can't we love ourselves that way? Why can't we look at ourselves as blameless and, and worth loving? The whole entire part of ourselves. Every piece. Even the piece that made horrible mistakes. Even the pieces that fell. Even the pieces that did wrong things. Even the pieces that made life changing mistakes. Why can't we love that part of ourselves? I'm going to talk about my experiences. Trigger warning. Um, I was a child. And this specific experience is uh, sexual abuse that I'm going to talk about. It's the first experience that uh, changed me, particularly changed me. And um, I am going to not not talk in great detail, but there will be some pretty intense details. So if you have had something happen to you like that, um, and it's a trigger for you, and you have PTSD or anything like that um I would say that just end the uh, podcast here or skip ahead um I don't know exactly at what point I will be done with the story um but it's it's gonna be at least 10 minutes or if not more um it's kind of a long story but um I would just recommend, if you don't want to hear the story ending the podcast here and going skipping to my next podcast, um, you don't have to hear my story to heal. You just have to talk about your own. The reason why you have to talk about it, if I have to reiterate again, is because if you can't talk about something, then you don't accept that part of yourself. If you can't talk about it, it's something you block out, and that you're not, you, you're you shameful about. If you have that shame and that guilt, you're wearing the guilt and the shame. And it's a part of yourself that you, that you won't accept. And that you won't love. And you can't love yourself unless you do talk about it. So, I am hoping and praying that I'm able to reach people who feel alone. And that, that are going through it or have gone through it and have that loneliness and don't know um, anyone who's gone through it and they they feel alone. So maybe when I talk about it, it'll help you. But I'm going to talk about it because it. I love myself and I love every part of myself. And I'm going to accept that part of myself now. I'm going to know that the feelings that I had and the things that I went through is who I am still. Like, that's a part of who I am. It changed me. It did. It changed me. It made me stronger. It helped me understand that there is evil in this world. But it did It did change me. Your, those experiences changed you. And people don't like to admit that. They're like, nope, I moved on as if nothing happened. No, you didn't. You didn't. You couldn't have. And that's a part of yourself that you've blocked out and that you will not revisit because you want to believe that it never happened. But it did and it changed you. So accept that part of yourself. Love that part of yourself. That's, that's the hardest part, guys. So <sighs> I, I feel like I'm a to keep ranting because I'm avoiding it but I'm gonna talk about it because I'm not ashamed I shouldn't be ashamed um so I was 10 years old and um we had an across the street neighbor who was 19 and um all the, the experiences that I had being around him and stuff um he was pretty nice like he was very nice to me he um played with me like outside if I was like you know doing something he he wasn't wanted to be involved um typically I didn't do normal kid things like play um physically you know like I didn't kick the ball or you know play basketball or anything like physically strenuous because I was always tired all the time Which I found out is the Chronic Fatigue Syndrome. Um, but, um, I still, like, went outside and I still played. I just didn't, like, play sporty things. But, um, I would would be more involved in things that were um, mentally, like, creative and things like that. Like, I would role-play aliens invading the Earth. Crazy stuff like that. So, um... He would want to be involved, and he seemed very nice. I was ten years old. I can't blame myself for misjudging a person at ten years old, even as an adult, I misjudge people um or I think that someone is actually i'm gonna say l- less like it's less likely for me to misjudge someone i I do have gut feelings and I do um. Have like an inner self that's able to see people for who they are, and it's it's like a clarity uh, thing. But sometimes I don't always listen to that. Sometimes I misjudge myself and say, mm, "I don't know this person." I mean, I get this feeling, and I kind of see that you know happening inside of myself. But then I'm like, "This person seems really nice," and that's what happened when I was ten. This person seemed really nice. I had a gut feeling at 10, right? At 10 years old, I had a gut feeling. But it was also overlooked by the fact that I had kind of a crush on this guy. He's 19 years old, I'm 10. Um, And I don't blame myself for having a crush. I was 10 years old. 10 years, 10 year olds have crushes all the time. Um, My crush wasn't sexual in nature. It wasn't in any way, like, I in my head was like, oh, he's so cute. I want to hold his hand. Like, or play with him, or like be around him. That was the extent of my crush, or like give him a kiss on the cheek. That would have been like, oh my, overwhelmingly, oh my god. But at 10, you're not thinking like in a sexual manner, in, in uh, how adults crush on other adults. A, a child, when a child crushes, it's just like, you know, you blush around them. You think they're good looking, and that's when you first start um, understanding your physical feelings, um, of crushes and stuff like, you, you know, it's not, um, it's the beginning. It's still innocent. So I don't blame that part of myself. I don't, I used to. I used to be like, it's my fault. I had a crush on him. I wanted to be around him. I m- made it to where he probably found a way to be around me. And and that's what began this. Well, let me tell you. No, I was a victim from the very beginning He was an adult and he knew his intentions. My intentions were to have somebody who's 19 and cute be around me. His intentions were to prey on a 10-year-old little girl. I will not and I refuse to blame that 10-year-old little girl for what happened. He found his way in with my parents. He, um, offered to be around and help out. Um, my dad was in the military, so he was more around my mom. My mom liked him, and she thought he was, you know, a nice teenager that wanted to help out with the kids and, um, you know, help walk us to the store and just be, like, kind of a nice person that, you know, helped out. She worked, too, so, um... My mom and dad both were in need of a babysitter. And who better than somebody who wanted to help? So I, I don't blame my parents. I blame the evil person. I blame the 19-year-old guy that preyed on a 10-year-old girl. I had two sisters. Um, at the time, one of my sisters was a baby uh, like two years old, and then um, and then I had a six year old sister, and um, he even at some point had his sights set on them. Um, so he became our babysitter, and he was able to be alone with us um, at night, and it started out um, somewhat. In a, at 10 years old, like, he knew that I had a crush. He saw the, like, the signs, you know, the blushing and the laughing and, you know, but I don't consider it flirting. Like, I'm not going to say that I, it was my fault. That's, that's something that I did for a long time. I was like, I flirted with him at 10 years old. What's wrong with me? I did that to myself. No. Ten-year-old kids have crushes on their teacher all the time, like or adults. That you know, it's it's not in the kids' place to understand those feelings. It's in the adult place to shut those feelings down. As a grown adult, I've had children who've crushed on me, and I've made clear boundaries. And as they get older, they'll understand why I made those clear boundaries. I didn't hurt the children in any way. If I would have um, continued on making them believe that them, you know, crushing on me and that there was even any reciprocation back, that would have been hurting them. That would have been giving them the wrong idea. That's what he did. He gave me the wrong idea. If he would have shut those feelings down, then it would have never happened. The real evil here is him and what he did. If anything like this happened to you, don't blame yourself. Don't sit there and say, oh, if I wouldn't have done this, this person wouldn't have done that. No, stop. You were prey. You were preyed upon because that person saw something inside of you and and they they used it against you. It that that's clear that's clearly what they did. They saw something a normal behavior that 10 year old experiences, which is crushes, you know, that that happens. We don't at 10 years old understand age differences and things. That's for the adults to teach us. He said that he liked me. Liked me, liked me. So I got my hopes even higher. Like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This would be like my first ever boyfriend. What? And it took me to a whole new level. Like, oh my gosh, I could have a boyfriend. I didn't understand that 19 year olds and 10 year olds can't be boyfriend and girlfriend. I just knew that this boy liked me. He reciprocated feelings back for the feelings that I had. And I thought, you know, that it was okay because nobody told me that it wasn't okay. Well, he told me that we had to hide our feelings for each other. And I didn't understand that because I was 10. And I didn't understand why two people that are one adult and one child, I didn't even see him as an adult either because he played with me. He did things with me that kids do. I just saw him as someone that was good-looking and that wanted to be around me. And that's something that I thought was good quality in a boyfriend at 10 years old, right? So um, he said that he wanted me to be his girlfriend, but we had to be in secret. He said this because he knew... That I couldn't talk about it with my parents or they would have stopped it. They would have probably killed him. Um, me and my parents didn't have the best relationship, but my dad would never let a predator prey on me if he knew about it. He would have killed him. And I'm for sure that he would have wound up dead in some way and no one would have known how. My dad is that kind of person. If there's something that evil in the world, he would extinguish it. Um, anyway, so, tell me not to tell my parents. But he said the reason why is because they wouldn't understand. So I rationalized at 10 years old, okay? Maybe my parents wouldn't understand. Maybe they. he said they would try to break us up. And so at 10 years old, I'm taking a adults rationalization and rationalizing it for myself. Not my fault. I don't blame me. I don't blame the 10-year-old me for doing that. People have told me um cuz I have spoken about this experience and I have been judged on several accounts for it, which made it harder to um come out about it to other people. Um And those people who have judged me and anyone who can judge you for something that's not your fault, get them out of your life because they don't accept that part of yourself. Maybe it's something that happened to them and they blame themselves and they justify it by blaming you. Get them out of your life. Out. Do not accept that because they don't love you. How can they? How can they if they blame you? Just that like you would blame yourself. You can't love yourself if you blame yourself. You can't. And they can't. But they criticized the situation and said, well, you knew it was wrong if you had to hide it from your parents. Just like if a child um, steals and they hide what they stole, they can't say, well, I didn't know any better. Yeah, there's a difference. There's a huge difference. Child knowingly does something wrong and hides it. Versus being manipulated into doing something wrong and an adult telling you it's okay, an adult saying you are justified, it's justified. And they rationalize and then you use their rationalizations. That is the wrong part, what they did, not what you did. I was 10. Can't blame a 10-year-old girl. I think about it sometimes like if it was someone else. Because I used to blame myself so hard. Especially when I came across these people who also, it really, really spun my world out whenever I told these people. And they were like, yeah, but you knew it was wrong. You, can, I mean, you, you kind of have to understand that. Yes, they sympathized with me and what happened and blah, blah, blah. But they pointed a finger. And that's wrong. You can't point a finger at a 10-year-old. You can't. It changed me. It changed me. I thought about it though. And I was like, if a, if a 10-year-old girl. If I found out this had happened to another 10-year-old girl. And I was talking to that girl. I wouldn't be able to find it in myself to tell that little girl. Oh, well, you hid it. So it, you knew it was wrong. I wouldn't be able to um, tell her that because. I truly, deep down inside, knew that that's incorrect, but I blamed myself, so I don't anymore. I don't blame myself. Um, he, I would never had a boyfriend 10 years old, right, and um, so I'm like, the most that could ever come out of this is a kiss, right, Like on the lips, That's that's the biggest thing I could think of. I didn't even know what sex was. I was 10. Um. So. <laughs> he. Um. Convinced me. That I was his girlfriend. And that he was my boyfriend. And we had to do things in secret. That girlfriends and boyfriends do. Because that's my job now. I'm a girlfriend. So these are the things that girlfriends do. Um, first do It was just kiss, and that was the first thing, and I thought that would be the last thing because that was all I knew that girlfriends and boyfriends do, and we skipped right over hand-holding, like, he was like, girlfriends and boyfriends kiss, and I thought it was just, like, kiss on the lips, he was the first boy that ever kissed me, period, and he showed me what French kissing was, and it was weird to me. I, I was very uncomfortable with it. So I tried to shorten the kiss, like, quickly. And he called me a baby. He's like, oh, you're not ready for a relationship. And I blamed that part of myself that said I was. What he was doing was a form of manipulation that people... Can use on children that say oh well you're not mature enough for this you you need to step up your game that is not something you can blame a child for saying oh well I am old enough I am I am mature enough because a child wants to step into a role where they're accepted and it and what this predator was doing at that moment was saying I've I'm already told you that you're my girlfriend, but you're not stepping up to the abilities of a girlfriend. It's not the age, because I should have shut those feelings down if it was the age that was the problem. I would have been an adult and said, this is wrong because of your age. No, what he wanted me to do was raise my maturity level in his eyes or, um, do adult things as a child and make myself think that it's okay because that's what girlfriends do I should not and would not blame a 10 year old for rationalizing after an adult has put that in front of them like there are many times that I could have said no but I was manipulated into being okay with it, little by little, and Predator knows how to manipulate a child. You tell a child, um, you're you're of the age where you can cook. You can cook, but I don't think you can handle holding the, you know, handle the ingredients and measuring it correctly. A child is going to say, okay, well, I'm of age to do that, so I need to step up my game. And I'm going to try really hard to please you and make you happy, to show you that I can do this. However, you tell a child, that's alcohol. You are not 21 years old. You will not touch that drink. Do you understand? They're going to say, I'm not old enough to drink that. Not, oh, I'm going to rise to the occasion. I can be responsible enough. No, how you pose something to a child is significant on how they react. And I was posed a a challenge of, You can rise to this occasion. I want you to rise to this occasion. I want you to be my girlfriend and do these girlfriend things. I want you to find it in yourself to do these things. Not that, oh, I don't think you're old enough. He posed it to me as, I don't think you're mature enough or you're ready. I don't think you're ready. So that is how it was posed to me as a 10-year-old girl. Of course I'm ready. You said I was your girlfriend. Well, if I'm your girlfriend, then I'm ready. I wasn't ready. I clearly wasn't ready. He knew I wasn't ready. But I wanted to prove to him that I could be a good girlfriend. So the kissing happened quite often. And then his hands started wandering. And that was very uncomfortable for me. Um, Yes, I did the whole like stranger danger and um you know thing in school and my parents taught me about no no spots and stuff like that and still as uncomfortable as I was in the situation he would pull back and be like oh you're just you're such a baby and I'm not I wasn't a baby I was like I'm 10 years old right I'm not a baby. He was still posing that challenge at constantly getting me to to, rise to the occasion of being a girlfriend, doing girlfriend things. That's part of myself that I blamed for a long time because it was like, he told me I wasn't ready. He himself knew I wasn't ready and I told him I was. No, no 10 year old is ready. An adult knows that. An adult knows that. He was manipulating me. And if this happened to you, and you blame that part of yourself, that person was manipulating you. There's nothing. He knew the outcome. He knew the, what he expected of me, and he knew how to get it. And different people are manipulated in different ways. And he knew that I was one of those people that was like, um, "No, I'm. I can do this." If I was throwing a a ball. Um, you know, and, and a guy was like, oh, you throw like a girl. Like, oh, I'll show you. I can throw a ball. Okay. So like, I liked challenges. However, he put it to me as a challenge, not as something that I shouldn't be doing. He told me it was okay. Remember he rationalized. It was okay. I just couldn't tell my parents because they wouldn't understand. So his hand wandering, um, got a little bit, you know, too uncomfortable and he um I could tell he was getting frustrated because I would move his hands and um uh, things like that. So he wanted to take it to the next level. Um and he wanted to see me, fully see me without clothes on. And I told him no. And he still continued trying to manipulate me, but I had some kind of a strength inside myself knowing that, you know, I didn't feel comfortable with that. I didn't feel comfortable with him seeing me without any clothes on. So since he didn't get what he wanted um, by my own volition, um, one of the days that I was taking a shower, he... Busted in to he un, well when I say busted in he did it very quietly. He took a screwdriver and un, did the um the door thing so he unlocked my bathroom door basically and walked in quietly and I heard the door shut and it freaked me out and I was still I was so still in the shower like froze now three things happen to you in a traumatic situation. And people say it's fight or flight. It's not. It's fight, flight, or freeze. I'm a freezer. Anytime that something happens that I'm extremely uncomfortable with. Or that was traumatic. Especially as a child, I froze. Happened in my adult life too. I froze. And it is the natural response of my brain. To freeze. For some people it's their natural response to fight and for some people it is their natural response to flee. Mine is to freeze. And I froze. That is not my fault. It is not my fault that I froze. He tore open the curtain and I grabbed the curtain as quickly as I could and tried to cover myself. And he grabbed my wrist and I just stood there naked in front of him. And I looked away. I couldn't even look at him while he was looking at me. And he said, it's okay, it's okay. And he pulled me close to him. Now, water's still going. I'm soaking wet in the shower. And water just get pouring everywhere. And all he can think about is I don't want him to look at me anymore. When he pulls me in close to him to hug me and hold me, I froze. I didn't know what to do. Oh my gosh, I have five seconds left. Um, Continued on the next segment, sorry guys.